If I didn't hold back because of my parents, I would have given notice long ago. I would have gone to the boss, and I wouldn't have minced matters. He would have fallen from his desk. That's a funny thing, to sit on a desk so as to speak to one's employees from such a height, especially one is hard of hearing and people must come close. Still, all hope is not lost. Once I have got together the money my parents owe him, that will be in about five or six years, I shall certainly do it. Then I'll take the big step. Meanwhile, I must get up, for my train goes at five. He looked at the alarm clock, ticking on the chest. My God, he thought. It was half past six. Quarter to seven was not far off. Hadn't the alarm gone? From the bed it could be seen that the little hand was set at four right enough. The alarm had sounded, but had he been able to sleep calmly through that furniture-shattering din? Calmly, no. His sleep had not been calm, but he had slept only the sounder for that. What should he do now? The next train went at seven. To catch it he must hurry madly, and his collection of samples was not packed. Besides, he himself did not feel at all rested nor inclined to move. And even if he did catch the train, his employer's anger was inevitable, since the firm's errand boy would have been waiting at the five o'clock train and would have notified the firm of his lapse. He was just a toady to his boss, a stupid and servile boy. Supposing Gregor pretended to be ill? But that would be very tiresome and suspicious, too, for during the four years he had been with the firm he had never had the slightest illness. The manager would come with the health insurance doctor, he would reproach his parents for their son's idleness, and would cut short any objections by giving the doctor's argument that no people are sick, only idle. And would he be so far wrong in such a case? Gregor felt in very good fettle, apart from his unnecessary need for more sleep after such a long night. He even had an unusually keen appetite. Just as he was quickly turning these thoughts over in his mind, without being able to decide to leave the bed, while the alarm clock struck a quarter to seven, he heard a cautious knock on his door, close by his bed's head. Gregor? someone called. It was his mother. It is a quarter to seven. Didn't you want to catch the train? What a soft voice! Gregor trembled as he heard his own voice reply. It was unmistakably his former voice, but with it could be heard, as if from below, a painful whining, which only allowed the words their real shape for a moment, immediately to confuse their sound, so that one wondered if one had really heard aright. Gregor would have liked to answer fully and to give an explanation, but in these circumstances he contented himself by saying, Yes, yes, thank you, mother, I am just getting up. No doubt the door prevented her from judging the change in Gregor's voice, for the explanation reassured his mother, who went away shuffling in her slippers. But because of this little dialogue, the other members of the family had become aware that, contrary to custom, Gregor was still in the house, and his father started to knock on one of the side doors, softly, but with his fists. Gregor! Gregor, he cried, what is the matter? And after a moment, in a warning tone, Gregor, 
Bego! At the other side door, the young man's sister softly called. Gregor, aren't you well? Do you need anything? I am getting ready, said Gregor, answering both sides and forcing himself to pronounce carefully and to separate each word with a long pause to keep a natural voice. His father went back to breakfast, but the sister still whispered, Gregor, open the door, please do. But Gregor had no intention of answering this request. On the contrary, he complimented himself on having learned the habit of always locking his door, as if in a hotel. He would get up quietly, without being bothered by anyone. He would dress, and above all, he would have breakfast. Then would come the time to reflect, for he felt it was not in bed that a reasonable solution could be found. He recalled how often an unusual position adopted in bed had resulted in slight pains which proved imaginary as soon as he arose, and Gregor was curious to see his present hallucination gradually dissolve. As for the change in his voice, his private opinion was that it was the prelude to some serious quinsy, the occupational malady of travellers. He had no difficulty in turning back the coverlet. He needed only to blow himself up a little, and it fell of its own accord. But beyond that, he was impeded by his tremendous girth. To get up, he needed arms and hands. But he had only numerous little legs in perpetual vibration, over which he had no control. Before he could bend one leg, he first had to stretch it out. And when at last he had performed the desired movement, all the other legs worked uncontrollably in intensely painful agitation. I must not stay uselessly in bed, said Gregor to himself. To get his body out of bed, he first tried moving the hind part. But unfortunately, this hind part, which he had not yet seen, and of which he could form no very precise idea, went so slowly it proved to be very difficult to move. He summoned all his strength to throw himself forward, but, ill-calculating his course, he hurled himself violently against one of the bedposts, and the searing pain he felt showed that the lower part of his body was without doubt the most sensitive. He then tried to start with the fore part of his body, and cautiously turned his head toward the side of the bed. In this he succeeded quite easily, and the rest of his body, despite its weight and size, followed the direction of his head. But when his head left the bed, and was hanging in mid-air, he was afraid to continue any further. If he were to fall in this position, it would be a miracle if he did not crack his head, and this was no moment to lose his senses. Better to stay in bed. But when, panting after his efforts, he again found himself stretched out just as before, when he saw his little legs struggling more wildly than ever, despairing of finding any means of bringing peace and order into this chaotic procedure, he once again realised that he absolutely could not stay in bed, and that it was perfectly reasonable to sacrifice everything to the slightest chance of getting out. At the same time, he did not forget that cool and wise reflection would be far better than desperate resolutions. Ordinarily, at such moments, he turned his eyes to the window to gain encouragement and hope. But this day the fog prevented him from seeing the other side of the street. The window gave him neither confidence nor strength. Seven o'clock already, he said as he listened once more to the sound of the alarm clock. 
seven o'clock already, and the fog has got no thinner. He lay back again for a moment, breathing weakly, as though in the complete silence he could calmly await the return to his normal self. Then he said, Before a quarter past, it is absolutely essential for me to be up. In any case, someone will be sent from the office to ask for me before then, for the place opens at seven. And he began to rock on his back in order to get his whole body out of bed in one movement. In this manner, he would be able to protect his head by raising it sharply as he fell. His back seemed to be hard. Nothing would be risked by falling on it to the floor. His only fear was that the noise of his fall, which must surely resound through the whole house, might arouse terror, or at the very least uneasiness. However, that would have to be risked. When Gregor had half his body out of bed, the new method seemed more like a game than a task, for he had only to swing himself on his back, he began to think how easily he could have got up if only he had had a little assistance. Two strong people, he thought of his father and the servant girl, would have been quite enough. They would have needed only to pass their arms under his round back, raise it from the bed, quickly lean forward with their burden, and then wait carefully till he had completed the operation of settling himself on the ground, where he hoped his feet would at last find a way of working together. But even if the doors had not been closed, would it have been wise for him to call for help? At this idea, despite his misery, he could not repress a smile. Now he had progressed so far that, by sharply accentuating his swinging movement, he felt he was nearly losing his balance. He would have to take a serious decision.